The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship. You are listening to the Vigilance Radio Network. You are listening to Truth Time with Pastor Monty. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. They do have a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. You want answers? You can't handle the truth! problem is having the right world view and acting upon it. the show today let's go ahead and spread content by liking and sharing it and making sure that you're subscribed to our show and for all of you on youtube hit the bell so you can be informed of all upcoming shows the truth time with pastor monty broadcast is a part of the lathia bible fellowships online podcast network of shows called the vrm if you're interested in this ministry or our other shows you can check us out at abfpdx.org where you can access more resources, donate, and learn more about ABF and our local church in Portland, Oregon. And now that all of that is said, I'm Pastor Josh, the senior pastor over at ABF, and your co-host for this show, and this is Pastor Monty. Welcome to Truth Time. I am Pastor Monty, and uh, I am joined by my co-host, the uh, up-and-coming generation, Pastor Josh. What's up? And we're going to continue our discussion uh, covering uh, topics such as uh, looking at uh, first Thessalon, uh, 2 Thessalon, and uh, dis- continuing that discussion as the Apostle Paul addresses uh, a second letter to the Thessalonians. And then uh, we're going to continue our discussion about uh, relationships. We have been talking about relationships uh, as they pertain to uh, parents and children. Such fun. Uh, so let's uh, let's go. Such ahead. fun. <laughs> so let's go ahead and jump in to uh, the Christ factor. Uh, okay. <laughs> We've been off for two weeks. Producer oh. Jasmine forgot where the <laughs> button. There you go. You know, we could do a uh, we could do a program of uh, the theology behind Gaither songs. It wouldn't take very long because they're so weak. It would take a long time. They're just amazing. Okay. All right. All right. So we've been talking. <laughs> we we read verses. I'm not saying that if you did contemporary Christian music, it would be any better. For the record, but well, let me just tell you that I spend an hour to just being saturated with uh, Gaither. I spent time before church reading the Bible. Yeah, well, I, you know, I do that too, but but uh, <laughs> but uh, there's just something powerful about uh, yes. music. Yes, so in, almost in, cult-like. Yeah, in Second Thessalonians uh, chapter one, uh, we were looking at verses one through twelve, and what where I want to pick this up is kind of where we left off last week particularly as we are discussing this issue of the judgment of God. And I I think this is an issue that many believers um, have difficulty with. 
Um, you know, they, the, the, the modern church has been pumped with the idea that uh, God is love. Yep. And that there is no room for, uh, there is no room for judgment uh, from a God of love. And it, it makes believers uh, very weak in their faith because clearly we see, for example, from this passage that, um, that the Apostle Paul is making it very clear that to those who have heard the message and reject the message of Jesus Christ, there will be judgment. Yeah, well, I think the mistake is in saying that God is only love. No, you lost me, or I lost you. <laughs> you just you looked at me like what? I don't know. The believers who think that God is love and and they they have a hard time with judgment because they don't understand a what love is, right? And, right. And, and which Jesus defines as you know basically love in practicality is obedience, uh, and then b that love is a facet of who God is, as opposed to it is everything so there's you know there's more than that yeah and you know in in john you know jesus specifically told his disciples you know if you love me you will keep my commandments right there is a action that is stipulated with the concept of love and and uh, the reverse of that of course is if you want nothing to do with me then you'll ignore my commandments right uh, either way, there is consequence attached to how it is that we respond to that. Yeah. And the Apostle Paul is making that clear then as we round out um, these first couple of verses in Second Thessalonians that, that the, uh, the church at Thessalonica is being blessed because they heard the message and they responded to the message. So we're in uh, which we're first Se- second second, Se- second Thessalonians chapter one. All right, and, and we were looking at just the the last couple of verses there in that chapter. Um, I'll reference for you. You can see that <laughs> while he's finding the passage, you can see the difference in generational. Uh, going on here, Pastor Monty's got this Bible and you know this big Bible in front of him, and I'm like scrolling through my my iPad, getting to the <laughs> getting to the verse. Yeah, and Pastor Monty's still stra- straining to see what what I'm reading. You know, because- I came across that the other day. I was in Bible study with my family, and now, mind you, the lights are dimmed. You know, in my in my room, it, the lights are not very bright. But um, uh, we were reading the commentary. Oh my gosh! It was the hardest thing for me to read the commentary. I know, I know. I could really, not make it out. Really, well. really fine print. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, I I hear you. Um, well, basically, starting at like uh, like verse nine, it says that you know now those shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory um, of His power. When he comes uh, in that day, uh, and he's going to be glorified, uh, the, his saints, and, uh, and admired amongst all those who believe. 
You want? Can you? I know that the mic's in your way, but yeah, can you try to read <laughs> to the microphone instead of away from it? Yeah, I'll try. I'll try. Okay. Um, right. So, of course, this passage—that's basically what he's saying—is that you know, those who um, those who uh, ignore the gospel of Christ are going to uh, reap judgment. And those who uh, follow the gospel of Christ uh, are going to be uh, with him in glory. And that's a powerful thing for us to look forward to. I don't think that we, we look forward enough to what is, uh, what is coming when we talk about the glory of God. Yeah, well, and I think a lot of people shy away from it because literally because of the love issue, right? A lot of people want to um, sort of impede the glory of God because they're afraid of um, the coming judgment and they think that's not loving. But the truth is, and just a thought experiment with me here, the truth is, is that if you have God returning and he allows every single person to not be judged for their crimes, oftentimes heinous, crimes. Mm -hmm. So you're spending eternity next to um, an Adolf Hitler, for instance. You're spending eternity next to uh, John Wayne Gacy because there's no judgment. Um, how is that loving? Right. Uh, I, 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 it's just too, it's too easy to, um, to sit in this place of judgment ourselves over God, the irony of the whole situation, like completely missing the irony of it. It's, it's too easy to sit in this place over, uh, you know, of judgment over God as He administrates what what eternity looks like. But the truth is, is that without judgment in eternity, it's not loving. Well, we're in in what many believers have difficulty with is is tying uh, God's love to His righteousness, right? And when the if 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 you want to get just a just a sampling of of uh, what scripture says in regard to the return of Christ go to the book of revelation mm -hmm. and look in the book of revelation when Christ is introduced on his steed in all of his glory when he's coming back in victory uh and it's uh it's an amazing yep. powerful picture on a white steed with a sword coming out of his mouth and fire coming from his eyes yeah yeah it's an amazing picture and and as believers we should be knowledgeable of that you know there are several things that we should be knowledgeable of one of them is the idea the understanding that god is going to return in glory i mean the whole idea of of you know Christ is uh, this milk toast. You remember last week I, I used the word milk toast. I think that it's appropriate because, you know, God is just kind of this mushy, uh, sappy kind of love. Um, and and uh, that doesn't take into consideration his righteousness and yeah. his glory. Well, there's people want an emotional confirmation for you know, four things. They want to feel good, and and they think that love equates feeling good. But the truth is, it doesn't. It doesn't always. Well, when when it does, it's a blessing. When Scripture says that that uh, God demonstrated His love towards us through self-sacrifice, He points to the cross. That's right. And that's that's the demonstration of love. Right. The demonstration of love is that 
Christ died for us, was tortured for us, was hung on a cross, and took our sins. That's the picture of love. Right. And that's the and as believers, that's the picture that we should hang on to. And it's what's extended toward us that, you know, we would lay our lives down also if we're in that in that vein. You know, God lays his son down, the son lays his life down, we're supposed to be the body of Christ laying our life down as well. And this idea of uh, paradise without sacrifice, it's just not real. And it, it kind of reminds me of the the adage of, um, <laughs> we were just talking about it yesterday at our house band practice. Um, what am I thinking? Of the, it's a trope of free, freedom, like uh, freedom without cost, or like right, right. freedom is not free. Or, freedom is not free, right. Um, right. Yeah, like this idea that love is just, again, like that's, that's not even scriptural. Like that's a, that's a romantic love that was created by Shakespeare. <laughs> You know, in the 15th century or whenever he was around. Um, was that the 1600s? I don't know. Anyway, um, but it's, you know, it's created by Shakespeare. It's That's not what love is, according to scripture. Love is self-sacrifice. It is putting the best interest of the person, that y- the object of your love, in front of you and sacrificing. Um, so it's not an emotional confirmation. And when we look at what is to come, we look at the good things that are to come. When he comes on that day, he will receive glory from his holy people. Glory for what? For self-sacrifice, right? Right, right? Worthy is the lamb to be slain. Like, it's the worthiness of God, the faithfulness of God. Like, that's the, that's the love that we're going to experience in heaven is the confirmation not the emotional confirmation, but the literal confirmation that he loved us because all of these things will be summed up finally. Um, but this emotional confirmation, that's not thats not biblical. Right, and and then the extension of that, just so that we round out this before we, before we move on in Scripture, the extension of that is that the church needs to recognize that out of love, all of the... All of that which exists now will be destroyed. Mm-hmm. In in Second Corinthians, well, First Corinthians, in First Corinthians, the Apostle Paul says very clearly that that uh, we will there will be a new heaven and a new earth. We will be given new bodies, a new heaven, a new earth, new bodies. All that was, which is tainted by sin. All that was will be destroyed, and we will uh, live in glory with the Lord who shall come in glory, uh, because uh, we are created new. And the, for the believer, that's something to look forward to, but it's also something to stand on, uh, because we've talked before about the importance of recognizing that as disciples of Jesus Christ, we are a new creation. The Apostle Paul reiterates this in the book of Romans. We are a new creation, and our whole being needs to be directed towards a becoming, as uh, we find in First uh, Peter, holy, because he is holy. We right. are already holy because of what he has done on the cross. But we are becoming that holiness as we go through this process of sanctification. Yeah, we're holy on paper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're uh, not we're, in practice. We're, well, we're, uh, 
we're paper rich but cash many believers are paper rich but cash poor yeah you know and and we want to move uh, away from being in our spiritual walk we want to move away from being cash poor uh, so that we are uh, living in the richness of uh, God's glory as we work out uh, our day-to-day lives. Well, and that's where this passage really heads to, right? We keep on praying for you in verse 11, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. And then he says, may he give you the power to accomplish all the good things that your faith prompts you to do. And that's, you know, there's an echo of the book of James in there um, talking about perfection, uh, uh, and endurance through trials, right? It's the same sort of same sort of concept. The idea is that we uh, should be made complete toward the task that God wants us to accomplish. Um, so yeah. Well, I, and I don't want to steal your thunder on James, but I just I love the passage. And I don't know if you've got there or not yet, but I love the passage in James where he's talking about the uh, being crowned uh, the uh, with the. You know, being crowned when having gone through trials and tribulations, we are the word there is theos, and it's basically the idea of the Olympic crown mm-hmm. of an Olympian mm-hmm. who has endured everything, right? And, and he's finally standing, and a crown is put on him, saying, "You have endured, and you are there." Yeah, I'm. A, I'm. I'm far from there. Not quite there. I have like eight episodes you're, you're, or something. You're, 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 I, ta- you're taking like a one or two words per. <laughs> I yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I get yeah, it. Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm on verse four or something, maybe, and I've got like four episodes in. Well, that's something to look forward to then. <laughs> so, have, have you, as but you there's guys- a new there's a new heart scribe on Saturday. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. I guess that's right. Yeah. There's a new heart scribe on Saturday. Uh, we'll be doing James one four, I think. Uh, and you know, so if you guys want to check those out, I'm doing a, a study on the book of James, going uh, looking at it from the uh, expository. Um, I'm looking at it <laughs> verse by verse, going through and looking at the application to the inner person. A lot of people are all about life application, and I feel like you know that's that's great, and people can do that better than me. But uh, I think what I'd really like to see more of in terms of uh, Bible study, especially online, um, is people looking at how it applies to the inner person. So, and to that end, um, you know that's kind of my thing. And uh, that's, so I'll give a shameless plug on. So uh, I have the book of James this Saturday, continuing on in the Bible study we're doing for Heart Scribe James. And then this Thursday, we're actually a uh, shout out to the Nightlight crew. So that's uh, Justine and Jacob. They're going to join me on Thursday night at 930 on the VRN. And we're going to be talking about um, social anxiety and how people, how Christians can deal with social anxiety. Um, and that's going to be part of our three, for the next three weeks, it'll be social anxiety. Then we're going to deal with, um, is it, I can't remember if it is pornography first or if it's tech addiction. Uh, so tech addiction, I think. Yeah, 
yeah, uh, intern Tiffany is telling me it's tech addiction. Uh, so we'll be dealing with tech addiction and uh, what that looks like. Uh, people, you know, addicted to their televisions, to social media, so on and so forth, and how we as Christians can navigate that. And then the week after that, we're going to be dealing with pornography and talking about that. So that's all um, the first three Thursdays this, you know, this month um, or this upcoming month. Is it April yet? Uh, this coming, yeah, this week it's April. It's yeah, in yeah. two days. Yeah, in two days. It'll be April. So it's going to be a big month for, for us. Um, but yeah, if you want to look more at like how things are affecting the inner person, take more of a counseling approach, uh, we'll be dealing with those things this month. So Cool. So, so the, um, so when we're going through Second Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul is, is remember that he's basically encouraging the church to be faithful. He's encouraged them to. He's encouraging them to remain faithful um, because of the challenges that they're facing in their day. And so we're going to go ahead and close out uh, the chapter one, which is what we just got done going over. And uh, next week we'll pick up a chapter two of of Second Thessalonians. Let's uh, go ahead and jump into uh, our material regarding our relationships. I do like Don Henley, uh, but that was really loud. <laughs> relationships. So we've been talking about the importance of uh, dealing with relationships, and, and uh, we've just started in, Josh, uh, Pastor Josh and I have just started in talking about uh, child to uh, parent or parent to child, however, I guess it would be parent to child, actually. Yeah. Um, uh, and the relationship that is there, and... and Likely, uh, as I stated earlier, this is a huge subject, one that is not talked a lot about uh, but has uh, significant ramifications for how it is that people live their lives. And we've been talking a little bit about, uh, last week we talked about the ramifications from the standpoint that oftentimes children will develop um, will develop practices Based upon uh, the uh, the parenting that they've received, that can affect them. It can affect them for the the rest of their lives. Well, it's intended to. Uh, yeah. Well, like it's, God, God designed it that way so yes. that it should. It's, but yeah, it, it can affect them for the rest of their lives negatively if the parents are. Um, I know this is not going to be a popular term, but bad parents. Well, there are bad parents out there, and or I, I would, I would say. Th- I don't. I guess there are some parents out there that are that are uh, intentfully evil towards their children, and that's oh, sure. that's really really sad. Yeah. Uh, I I think that the majority of parents, though, uh, would fall more into the category of um, of just not uh, not being invested in uh, the their uh, their offspring. Uh, more and more so, and uh, but I would say that that is evil. Um, there's a lot of parents who I think are sloppy. Yeah, they're sloppy parents in yeah. the sense that they're invested in again, not a not people aren't going to like this, but a dumb way. Um, <laughs> but but they're genuine. You know, they're genuine and they're caring. In fact, I was just watching the Mighty Ducks. Okay. Yeah. So not not the Mighty Ducks the movie, but the Mighty Ducks relaunch. There's a Mighty Ducks oh, uh, show on Disney Plus. I watched it with my kids yesterday, and 
my wife, obviously. And uh, and it has Emilio Estevez, right? Yeah. And, you know, the Ducks coach or whatever. Um, and I would recommend it. I was kind of surprised at, because it's a Disney show, and I was kind of surprised that it that it did this. But basically, um, Emilio Estevez is talking to the mother of the, the kid, right? And she's over-parenting and he accuses her of over-parenting and basically tells the kid like if you want a team you have to go make a team and your mom can't do it for you and i'll bet she even cuts your grapes doesn't she um Estevez gets in and tells her to back right, right. and then he goes and makes team and funnily enough he also uh, chokes on his grape <laughs> so the the point being that that um, the other factor before we move on here the other factor that 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 uh, plays into this is that oftentimes parents only uh, pass on to their children with what they themselves know. Well, I mean... So it becomes yeah. this... Well, <laughs> what my point is, though, it becomes... And we don't give enough credit to the fact that, that many times there are bad parents because their parents were bad, and they're bad. Yeah, I mean, that's not what makes them bad parents, but it certainly sets them... I, it, it sets them up, doesn't set them up for success. Yeah, clearly it doesn't set them up for success. And so it's they're bad parents because they choose to be bad parents. Well, you know, and they the, use their they use know, their bad their bad parents as an excuse. You know the old study um, that uh, was done about uh, about the um, the effect of of the gospel in the life of uh, a group of people and the generations that come out of the the the. Uh, generation that had the influence of the gospel and there were doctors and lawyers and educators and i'm not familiar with it there's a study that was done that basically goes back generations okay and shows that uh, those people that have an exposure to the gospel and live accordingly uh, live very productive lives uh, for themselves and in society and those that are uh, you know basically uh, trash and ghetto and and drunks and and what have you that's what their children become as well mm. and it just gets passed on generationally um the the beauty is and we'll now begin to progress a little bit here the beauty is is that you don't have to stay that way that's the key for that, sure yeah you don't you don't have to stay that way so if you're if you're unhappy with how your parents raised you and you're unhappy with the things that they taught or failed to teach you the beauty is in christ you don't have to stay that way you can change your outlook and begin to apply the principles of scripture in how you raise your children mm-hmm. but but it's work mm-hmm. you know there'll be some uh, there'll be some of you ladies out there that get upset with me but i have heard over and over and over again, it's cliche that, you know, women say, you know, I carried you for nine months. Is, and, is it usually people from the South? 
<laughs> that's, it's that's, a Southern Belle who says it. You know, that's, the women say that all the time, you know. They carry their... T- Listen, I carried my children for 18 years and more. Yep, you're definitely going to get in trouble for that. <laughs> um, I, I, Yes, I've been in arguments where people have argued that a man has no no viable connection to their children. You know, that it's just the mansplaining of the male cisgendered patriarchy that says that, oh, let me throw in there white as well, um, that, you know, where a man thinks that he can say anything about carrying a child. But that's not true. Well, I'm, I'm here to tell you that, you know, the, because, because from a biblical standpoint, um, whether your family um, fails or not, is dependent upon you as a male uh, set the atmosphere for in uh, in how it is that you encourage uh, what your wife is doing with the children and you encourage setting time aside for uh, the word of god and the things of god and you encourage your children to to grow in that direction, and you have to be uh, you have to be involved in doing that. Yeah, biblically speaking, that's absolutely true. Um, I would also throw out there for those who may not like that concept that it all rests on a man's shoulders. That there is a direct correlation if you look at uh, actually a bunch of secular studies um, dealing with like minorities, for instance. Yeah, um, yeah. That show that the like the number one. Um, correlation between like poverty and basically qualities of non-success is single parent families without a father. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty interesting. It's not saying that, you know, having the father automatically makes the family better. It's saying that without the father, it automatically makes the family worse. Right. Right. And, and, and so, and we've talked about this, uh, you and I, uh, Josh, have talked about this in regard to, um, to marriage and the relationship that exists in the marriage relationship. But, uh, you know, guys guys have a tendency to be lazy. Yeah, and well, the, and, all humans do, but and, guys in particular. And, and one of the reasons why marriages fail is because guys are just lazy. And the same thing can be said in raising your children. You cannot be passive in uh, imparting the things of God to your children and or imparting those things uh, for your children that are going to help them to become uh, successful participants in society as they grow up. Shout out to John Parker. He just said, engaged parenting equals successful parenting. Yeah, I I believe that that's true. Um, I think that, yeah. I mean, I think it'd probably be more accurate to say engaged parenting does not equal unsuccessful parenting because <laughs> you can have engaged you parents have engaged who way, again yes, are yes. cutting your children's gra- grapes for them yeah um yeah. Yeah. and that's how we get the snowflake generation right but right. that being said um definitely engagement is an, is an important aspect of it and without that engagement your child is basically left to decide the boundaries of their world for themselves and i don't know if you've seen children but um they're stupid <laughs> you know they they run out into traffic and they are emotional and over the top and you know don't listen to directions and the list kind of goes on and on oh, yeah, you know yeah. it, it takes time for them to learn to be uh wise 
Right. So if so if the, they learn. So the so the 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 responsibility of the um, parent in this relationship is that the parent needs to be actively involved in guiding the child um, on a on a one to one basis and with with the object of the child being able to go from birth uh, through uh, up in into and then beyond but but uh, up into adulthood so that they can take their place uh, successfully within the community that that oh you mean them. you mean the objective yeah that's yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. your objective and there are stages that um, that the children go through and therefore there are stages that you as a parent have to be available to help them navigate those mm-hmm. and where it breaks down is that parents um, uh, negate their responsibilities. In fact, our society has has uh, emphasized parents negating their responsibilities yeah. uh, to the uh, school system, to television, to tech, like we talked about, mm-hmm. um, to abortion. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. So, so um, from the parental side. My take on relationship is that you have to be, uh, if you're going to bring a child into the world, you have a responsibility to understand the gravity of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I believe many parents don't. I think that that is part of the main factor. I think that if parents did understand the gravity of the situation and embrace it, then there would be a lot better parents. But the truth is, is that we're so um, self-minded that we don't even understand that our children are not glorified roommates. And I think that that is <laughs> that a lot of parents think, even even good parents, a lot of parents think that their responsibility is to get their child to eighteen better than themselves. And that is a very low bar. Um, it's not, it's not wrong. It's not big enough either, though. Um, a parent's job is for life. It's a covenant relationship that God gives you, and the responsibility is to continue to basically model for that child how to go through the various stages of life. So, if you're an old person and your child will one day be an old person they're going to learn how to be an old person from you. It's not like they just learn how to be an adult from you. They learn all stages of life from you. Um, And that's the covenant relationship that you enter into when you become a parent. And I think a large difficulty that we run into as a society is that our society is geared toward the idea that we are 100% self alone. We are we are essentially by ourselves in our marriages. Right, right, right. We set up our marriages, you know, with our own. Um, it's like almost a heinous crime to have a joint bank account. Like everybody should have their own money because one day that marriage will end. We have like prenups and so on and so forth. We set up our value system based on the idea that we are essentially a loan agent who is just in a. Um, social contract with our spouses and we extend that to our children the moment that you know the moment that they come into the world it's like i'm going to do this for you 
and I'm going to be able to take a tax write-off. And, you know, if I don't like you, then I can uh, ship you off to foster care, um, you know, or uh, a boarding school or, or whatever. Um, and then when you're 18, I don't have to deal with you anymore. And that's just not, it's not biblical. Yes, it's not biblical. And so for, now remember, we're talking to parents, so we would just encourage you that, that uh, from a scriptural standpoint, you know, the, the job of parenting doesn't end when, you're, when your child turns 18. Um, the, I stated earlier that children go through stages of growth. Obviously. I mean, you would say, duh, that's obvious. Well, yeah, it is obvious. But interestingly enough, my observation is, and uh, in practice this happens quite often, that that parents don't grow with their children. Yeah. In, in, other, in, in other words, your, your, your child is continually growing and going through these stages. But as your child goes through these stages, you have to uh, change the way in which you um, deal with your children, the way in which you uh, interact with your children as you develop and perfect your relationship. And that, that there has to be a, a, a growth there and a desire by, by parents to, uh, to be uh, proactive in doing that. And again, I think the problem is that many people don't. Uh, one of the best things that my wife and I did was, uh, <laughs> I, and I, I have this guy's material, and I've been thinking about doing a, a, a book review, mm-hmm. a podcast book review right. on this uh, to help parents out. But, but um, one of the best things we did was when our kids were um, preteen. Uh, we were uh, the the uh, principal at uh, Rao Middle School, which is where the kids attend in Milwaukee. He did a, I want to say four weeks. I don't know. But he did like... <laughs> I was what, in middle school. Attend. Yeah, you didn't attend. And I also he, was pretty much homeschooled. Yeah, he didn't... He did a, like, I, I want to say a four-week uh, session where um, he began to talk to us about uh, the fact that your children are are uh, going to become more difficult. Yeah, and you can you can deal with that. And he used Jim Jim and Faze. He used a, a Jim Faze material hmm. and uh, 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 parenting uh, parenting with love and logic, and then parenting teenagers with love and logic. But the, the whole point of that material is to say, look, you can no longer uh, tell your children what to do. You can no longer rescue them. They're developing their own person, and you need to learn how to uh, communicate with them and help them to understand action versus consequence. Yeah. And so you move through that stage. Now, beyond that, I wish there was a, a book that was written. I, I don't know of any. I wish there was a book that was written for parents of um, how you navigate. Well, there's a couple of books that are helpful, but um, uh, how you navigate dealing with your uh, older child uh, in the 20s, in the 30s. Hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for 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 those that are getting married, there's a wonderful uh, combination of books that a pastor wrote uh, letters to Karen and letters to Philip, Philip which are helpful. Um, I really like. Uh, there's a book by his name's Vadi Bakum. I 100% recommend listening to this guy. Big guy in South America. No, uh, South <laughs> South. Where is South Africa? Your mic's on, by the way. I don't know. If, yeah, if you if you haven't noticed, producer Jasmine, your mic's on. I can like hear you. So, Muted. nope. Uh, but South Africa, I think, is where he's uh, based in, and he's he's this big guy, and he um, he's he's really interesting. He deals mostly with um, uh, social justice. Okay. Like he like kind of rallies against the social justice movement. Right. But um he wrote a book called uh what or let's see, who you have to be if you want to marry my daughter. Okay. <laughs> or something, I like it. Yeah, some, no, I like something it. Something like that. Yeah. 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 Uh, what a man what a man needs to be if he wants to marry my daughter or something like that. And uh it's a really it's a good book like from, you know, from the father standpoint, from the um, potential suitor standpoint, and then from the daughter standpoint, you know, right. it like takes all those things into account. So, I would definitely recommend that. There's also um, a guy named Gary Thomas, and he has a book called Sacred Parenting. Okay, which is interesting. Good, good. So my point is, is that, um, and we'll wrap up this this aspect of this today. But, but my point is, is that as your children grow older, um, you need to adapt to the changes that are taking place in their lives as well. So you need to, for example, you know, you can, you can raise your children with, uh, with godly influence and, and, and uh, set parameters that they know exist because you've been consistent in that. We'll talk about that later. But, but there's been consistency for You can do all those things. And then when they go out and they find a mate, mm-hmm. Oh, now you have a whole new <laughs> sure. Now you have a a whole new ball game well, that think, you have to learn how to negotiate. I think a large portion of it is the hubris with which we approach ourselves as adults, um, and sort of dropping that hubristic mask, and you know, being being able to talk about ourselves as creatures of change and and as creatures of growth. You know, you and I have butted heads on this particular point before. Um, but just think about the term grown up, like the term, the term grown up, or even just saying like, I am fully grown. Like you're not fully grown. You're not able to make decisions for yourself, but I'm fully grown. I can make decisions for you. It's like, you're not really fully grown. You're not fully grown until you die. Um, not as a creature of God who is dynamic. So maybe your body stops growing, but your mind, your, your, your spiritual growth is, is even in scripture, the process of sanctification is not finished until you die. So um, we have such hubris when we talk to children and they, they have to, they literally have to come to a conclusion when they get to adulthood that, Oh wait, my parents um, were just figuring it out the whole time and that they aren't the biggest thing in their world and they aren't fully grown. And 
that's something like for me that I, no offense for you, but uh, <laughs> that's something for me where I've had to come to a conclusion that, you know, let's see, I'm 40 now, but uh, I remember about 30 or 35, between 30 or 35, I came to the conclusion that if this is how I felt at about 30 or 35, then I wonder what my parents must have been feeling because I don't feel concluded. I still feel like I'm in my 20s. Yeah, I think the whole the whole deal of of uh, grown up versus not um, is only usable within a very narrow time frame. Sure, and it's and meant it it draws a distinction for safety, but it's kind of the same thing as saying like um, in in a role like I'm a policeman or I'm a or I'm a um, like in the military versus a civilian like that those aren't. Those aren't ontological truths. Right. They're, they're roles to help you navigate boundaries. I would never, I would never say to you as an adult child that you know I'm grown up and you're not. Yeah, sometimes in Although an argument, sometimes you act like you're not grown up. Sometimes but, in an know. argument, you've you've let the uh, you've let it slip before that I will never be as mature as you or things like that. Well, you will never. You, you got to fess up. Oh no no that's why I, I I truly believe that that you know <laughs> you if you and the truth comes if out you're, if you're if you're using me as a standard you got a you got a lot of work in front of you that's what I'm going to say but but uh, that being said my point is is that parents look um, and again we're approaching this relationship just from the relationship standpoint of the parent to the child. Your responsibility, parents, it is your responsibility to um, help uh, navigate uh, through life uh, for your children, if for no other purpose to recognize as they get older, to recognize that they have gotten older, and to um, uh, help them to, uh, you know, talk with you a little bit about your experiences. And how you navigated things. And see that, and so that doesn't mean that you're going to tell them what to do or not to do. I, I, I never tell my children what to do or not to do. I will tell them these are options uh, that you can look at, and this is my experience. But to a degree, you have to uh, navigate those uh, on your own. And so you have to learn how to do that as you grow older. And we don't have a lot of uh, we don't have a lot of guidance in society uh, how to do that. At least I haven't found a lot of guidance. Yeah, and it's a tricky it's a tricky situation also um, scripturally because there is a mandate that you leave and cleave. Right. And so when you look at it from the responsibility of the person in the relationship with their parent. They they do have a responsibility to move beyond the family, and Scripture makes that clear. However, we also have, and we must take it into account, the responsibility to respect our parents, which doesn't have an expiration date on it. And we also have the example of, say, like Mary at the cross, right? We have, we have some examples right. in Scripture where right. you have the older that are, regardless of the fact that Jesus is clearly established as a man and is making decisions— and doing whatever, Mary is still mothering. Yes, yes. 
So next week, what we'll do is we'll continue our discussion now coming from the child side and, 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 looking, at, uh, and looking at how this relationship, uh, the, and then what, what our direction is, is then to go towards uh, what Scripture gives us as far as guidance and how that applies in a, in a uh, non-biblical setting, uh, as in if your parents are pagans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure, or, which or, is more likely now. Or, uh, or a biblical setting. Uh, are your parents uh, disciples of Christ? Can I read some comments real yeah, quick before ahead. we move on? Okay, yeah, so uh, Heidi says, Ideally, then, you have your parents helping you to model and encourage you as you are parenting your children, so you are never alone to figure it out on your own. A good point. Mm-hmm. If not the grandparents, then other members of the body that are at a stage ahead of you. Um, check out uh, Crib Theory on our YouTube page. Right. Um, right. Uh, John says it takes a Christian village to raise a child. We aren't supposed to be alone in this process. Uh, Heidi, I think, looked up where Vadi Bakum is from, um, and it's Zambia. Okay, cool. Which I think is South Africa. Yeah. And then uh, Carol Shaffron. That's a... uh, Carol's uh, my uh, grandma. Like in-law. Grandma-in-law. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah. Hey. Uh, (laughs) She says, there comes a time when you have to turn your child adult over to God and step back because God knows what he's doing. That is also very, very important. Oh, yeah. No, I've... I've, uh that's I, I've done that many times. Well, <laughs> and I told you directly. Too. Well, and that's the Mary. Like <laughs> that's that's what that's that's where we that's that concept of Mary. Like God knew what he was doing and Mary allowed Jesus to take, you know, it to the cross. That being said, she was there. She was mothering him. Yep. Yep, exactly. Um, but she was allowing him to make the choices that he that need to be made. And that's one of the things you learn especially if you're doing parenting with love and logic is one of the most important responsibilities of a parent is to allow the child's consequences to come to bear, meaning yep. that the actions they choose have consequences, positive and negative, and they have to be allowed to come to bear. So, yeah. All right. We're Good gonna, comments, guys. Yes, thank you. We're going to close uh, this time together and just close out uh, our session today with uh, a little bit of what's up with that. Um, you know, um, for for you McDonald's fans out there, um, are you aware that uh, uh, the McNuggets, mm-hmm. you know, McDonald's McNuggets, yes, they 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 come in four prescribed shapes. No, I was not aware of that, and that is not me saying that I'm a fan of McNuggets. Well. I, and I, I just want to say that since McNuggets are chicken, I am going to say that this fits into the animal. Okay. The animal theme. A little bit of a stretch. All right. But, but as you, Tell us about as McDonald's you, McNuggets. As you dip your McNuggets, keep in mind, in this, and you may, you may have been asking yourself, why is it that this seems different than that? That's because there are four defined shapes for okay. McNuggets. Okay. There is the bell. The, okay. The circle. Mm-hmm. The boot. Hmm. And the bow tie. Interesting. 
Yeah. So what they do is they, when they, so basically McNuggets are pressed chicken. Yeah. It's healthy chicken, but they're pressed. Mm, I don't know about that. Pre- pressed meat, so pressed chicken. And when they press them, uh, when they press it together, then they use these four forms in order to cut out uh, a bell, a circle. Of, before of, they batter before it. Before they batter it. Okay. And so that's, how, that's why you have different shapes. Interesting. Yeah. Little tidbit there. Yeah, that's interesting. I I will definitely think about that the next time I eat a McNugget. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So, um, you know, the 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 world, uh, we definitely know that there are problems with, uh, with education around the world. And there are just some things that illustrate that more than others. So during this pandemic that we've been going through with uh, COVID and stuff, there's a, a lady who is an entrepreneur, and uh, she's in uh, in the states here, and she sells masks on uh, face masks. Was she on, on the Shark internet? Tank? Huh? Was she on Shark Tank? No, I don't think so. No, no. Okay. She shows, but she sells these masks because the, the first season, first season of Shark Tank. Yeah, did they? Have there a, was a lady who was selling masks, and they laughed at her. And said, "This could never be a thing unless there was something like a pandemic." Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there anyway. you go. Yeah. So um, she sells her masks on the internet. So she uh, got an order uh, from uh, somebody uh, over in uh, England, mm-hmm. and and uh, she wanted a dozen masks. Mm-hmm. And so the and so she got a uh, so she sent the masks. And she got a nasty email from the person in England uh, because um, she only got 12 masks. I'm missing it. Well, the person in England, and so they had quite an involved exchange over email. They thought email. it was like a dozen groups of 12 or something like that? No, they just didn't know. They thought, because there's some slang over in England they they read dozen as dubzen, which is which is um, in English slang. Dub uh, possibly means twenty. Now I'm okay. I'm well maybe I mean I'm it sounds like a stretch to me, but it's anyway, a stretch. they got really really upset because they ordered a dozen masks and they only got twelve. Okay. Now, this says something about the world and the understanding of basic concepts. It's why we beat the in British. In, in, unless, unless, I can understand, in, <laughs> unless you're dealing with a baker's dozen. Right. That's 13, right? Yes, that's correct. Uh-huh. Very good, Josh. You are, your parents saw to that you are well-educated. Okay, because I know baker's dozen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, one, one, uh, one last one here. Wait, that was it. Yeah, that's it. Your dubzin. Yeah, just just saying. You know. All right, so dubzin is twenty. A dozen, a dozen of something is twelve. No, I, I a dubzin is twenty. This is what we're ta- This is what I'm taking from it. Well, I'm. I don't know. Like I said, I think that's a stretch. All right then. I think they were trying to cover their uh, uh, posterior. 
<laughs> their ads is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm going to throw in a, a bonus before we close. Sure. I know, I know that a large portion of my audience don't watch the news, but yesterday on the news, and this is sad, this is a sad thing, yesterday on the news, so you, you need to understand that right now there's a whole big deal in Minnesota going on because of the, uh, the uh, George Floyd trial has begun. Oh, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well... What got absolutely little or no play at all was the fact that uh, a 12-year-old and a 13-year-old, so two girls, carjacked um, a car from uh, a man of uh, Arab descent and, and killed him. Okay. And he got no, you know... They're now being charged with murder, but but it was caught on it was caught on camera, and nobody interfered in you know stopping these girls from this guy. And but are they calling it a hate crime, or did he just happen to be of Arab descent? No, he just happened to be of Arab descent. He was he was driving for uh, Uber Eats. Okay, and they decided that they were going to carjack him and steal his car. And, of course, he fought back because who wants their car stolen, right? And uh, they they were able to muscle him because they ganged up on him. They were able to muscle him out of his car and, uh, and th- drive off. And in the process, he got thrown out of the car and, uh, and died. died. Oh, yeah. that's really... 12 and 13 years old. What? Yeah, 12 and 13-year-old girls. Those girls destroyed their lives. Yeah, like let alone his. Really like, bad. are they so they're going to charge them with adult murder? Yeah, I think so. Well, I think it would be manslaughter. It was manslaughter, but in I'm not a lawyer, but it's because it, it, if they're not when somebody to kill dies, them, right? But they die in the commission of, of a, crime. a crime. Yeah, but but it's not first degree. Still. No, no. But still, I mean, that's yeah. It at that can they even try? it? I don't but they, know if they were could try them but, as adults at but that the, point. But the sad thing was, remember this was caught on camera. And the sad thing was was there were National Guard people standing around while it was there, happening. Yes, there were people standing around who could have intervened and stopped these brats and and didn't. So why what's so the camera catches people just watching it happen? Yeah. Why did they why didn't they like? What's what are people saying? Oh, I don't know. You know that, that's a that's a yes, that's a, a, a current social phenomenon thing. You know, hmm. um, but anyway, that's a real sad thing. Okay, let me close with this. You know, I always try to help people, our young people today, who are uh, wanting to earn a little bit of extra money. Oh, and, okay. And if you if you'd like to earn some extra money, um, there you know I have a job, right? I know you do. I'm not really a young person anymore. I, I I'm a grown-up. You're a grown-up. You're an adult now. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, there's a there's a website that is offering uh, for, uh, if you want to uh, binge watch uh, James Bond, the 24 what? movies of James Bond. Wow, producer Jasmine. They are willing to pay $1,000. For watching binge watching twenty four hours 
of uh, 24, uh, yeah, 24 James like Bond. Do you have movies. to have your eyelids like glued open or something? Like? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure of the exact details, but uh, you go on to the uh, internet. They're doing a study to you, see if you join the patriarchy. I'm not sure. I'm just After saying. Being you know, indoctrinated by James Bond. For you guys that. Uh, now, I would not recommend. Remember, a couple of weeks ago, I did the, the mattress thing. Right. Well, there's another. I wouldn't yeah, recommend yeah. doing the mattress thing with the James Bond thing together. Sure. But uh, yeah, so if you're into James Bond and you think you could binge watch 24 movies, uh, there's an opportunity for you right there. A thousand bucks. I could do that. All right. I love James Bond. All right. That's, uh, that's all I got. There was one, there was another one that was like they were going to pay you like $1,500 or something to not uh, have a screen um, for 24 hours or something like that. Yeah, there was one out there where they were going to pay people to uh, devoid themselves of all tech. Yeah. Yeah. Seems pretty easy. I'm, I'm a person who loves tech, and I just i I cannot understand how people do not have right, but, self-control. But you're you're not consumed by it. See, that's the difference. Because yeah. you're a man of God, you're not consumed by it. Yeah, and you can put things down. But a lot of people can't. Yep. And you guys are going to have a deal on that where uh, you're going to be talking about tech and how it can ruin people's lives. Oh, yes. Good segue. Good segue. Okay. Well, then let's uh, let's go ahead and close out our show. So the Truth Time with Pastor Monty podcast is a resource of Alethea Bible Fellowship in Portland, Oregon, a webcast on the Vigilance Radio Network, a resource developed by ABF, um, where we can provide helpful and interesting online resources for the church local and at large. Uh, if you want to be a part of the VRN or want to see what we're doing here, you can join the Vigilance Radio Network's Facebook page to get access to all of our shows, including Culture Insanity, our kids' shows like Wake Up Cadre. Well, we don't have any right now, but we do have the Bible with Pastor Adam. We have our weekly sermon. We just got done with an interesting study on food. Um, and Nightlight Radio, which, speaking of, as I said before, is going to be happening this Thursday, dealing with social anxiety, this Thursday night at 9.30. Um, so, yeah, that's it for those shows. If you've enjoyed this show, Truth Time, consider supporting us. Our network and shows are free to you, but they're not free to us, so head over to ABFPDX. You can click the Donate tab. Even a dollar a month would be uh, put to use for the gospel. If you're poor like us, that's cool, too. You can still partner with us by remembering to like, subscribe, and share this podcast, and you can always find it on ABF's YouTube page and Facebook and all those good things. So take a second to visit that stuff where you can stay up to date. Uh, with the content we share, which is new most weeks at Tuesday at 11 a.m. Speaking of, we will see you then. I'm Pastor Josh, the senior pastor over at ABF, and this has been Pastor Monty. The views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the Lafayette Bible Fellowship.